Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Well, here we are. Just a bunch of 30-year-olds. Look, turning 30 is not that big a deal. Oh, really? Is that how you felt when you turned 30? Why, God, why? I want to be 30. 30 and flirty and thriving. Oh, my God. The, having a baby at 37 was so much harder. 30 years old? Jesus Christ, somebody get this geriatric some metanusal. Why does everyone make such a big fuss about turning 30? Deal. 30 is when I feel like my life started making sense. I definitely know more now that I'm 38. Here are some things that I've learned in my 30s. I'm Christy Hayes, joined by my gorgeous husband, Justin Coombs Pierce. Gorgeous. Oh. Well, we're still in the You weren't saying wind. that before. No, we had You were calling me all sorts of names before. <laughs> Look, we had an argument before we started recording, I won't lie, and I don't want to embarrass our guest on this um, episode, so I won't elaborate, but you know, that's <laughs> that's marriage, right? <laughs> had a few of them before my 30s. Today's a special episode. We have a great guest on our show. She's a woman that I'm a big fan of, and when we started to liaise via email, she kindly told me she was a bit of a fan of mine too from the Home and Away days. <laughs> but you'd know her as Aussie author, she's a TV presenter, and I do love this terminology because it's true, she's a Australia's favourite nutritionist. She is the one and only Lola Berry. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, I love the intro so, so much. I was guessing all the celebrities talking. I was like, I think that's Sean Hayes. I think that's Kirsten Bell. Like, I was guessing it all. Oh my God, you're all over it, babe. Well, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. We like to keep people guessing. That's exactly what we like to do with this show. Yeah, that's just the point of this show is just to have people thinking (laughs) Makes it a lot easier. If people are just guessing the whole way through the podcast, then we don't have to do very much work. <laughs> I love it. I welcome love it. Welcome to welcome to Talk 30 to me. This is like a series where we are so unfiltered. We talk from the heart and um you know Justin and I really pride ourselves on having honest conversations because fuck, I used to just say so much fake stuff in my 20s. Do you find like the the older that you get, it's so much more liberating just to be able to be yourself and have real conversations with more meaning, right? Totally. I think in your 20s, you get your validation from approval of other people. And I think in your 30s, you're like, hang on a minute, that doesn't feel so good. (laughs) And you start to think I better have my own back and I want to like who I am. Mm. That's That's a really interesting way of putting it, actually, because they are genuine milestones, aren't they, those birthdays? When you click over to 20, when you click over to 30, and then... I know one of us here has clicked over the other one past that. But oh, I... yeah, don't remind me. Jeez, I just married someone <laughs> a lot older than me, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I just married someone a lot younger than me, so uh, I'm winning. 
<laughs> so, Lola, you have a really cool story. Apart from the fact that you've just made a milestone move, I know that you've just moved from Byron Bay over to LA. And, oh, my God, you did that throughout COVID and before it's even ended lockdown over there. So that must be incredibly hard for you. But um, focusing right now, what brought us to you and to have this conversation with you is your professional background. You've written so many books. The 2020 Diet in particular, which I loved, which is the, you know, the lose 20 kilos in 20 week thing. And I thought to myself, oh my God, how good is that? Because in my 20s, I, like most women, tried everything, tried every different type of food. And I think weight management is like financial management for me personally. Like if someone just tells me what to do, I can do it. But someone needs to tell you what to do. It's it's difficult. But also your background with yoga and your business component. I mean, you just... You're on fire. How, how did you get into all of this? Like, how did it start for you? Mate, I don't feel like I'm on fire, but it's funny because you just, I just follow, there's a yogi term and it's like, follow your, your dharma and your dharma is like your purpose. And so for me, I don't really care how that looks. It's for me, it's like how it feels. And so like, I'll always chase what feels good in my heart. And yeah, like my twenties, I had a really uh, like, rough relationship with food and I guess through writing food books and diet books and cookbooks and whatnot was a real way to I guess face a lot of that and also heal a lot of that as well but yeah I don't I don't like all the other stuff I don't know I just I get excited to try something new and I'm like oh I'll do yoga teacher training oh well do a coffee company. Like I just, I chase the dharma like I am someone that just follows that feeling in your heart and yeah as I get older I give less of a shit about what people think about me chasing that dream. You right, know? I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to interject here. I've chased the Dharma before. Okay. Uh, yeah. I caught the Dharma and it didn't bode well with me. I got, I'm just going to, because obviously you're a, yoga is your thing. Okay. And I am a firm believer in you know, holistic approaches to all these sorts of things. So therefore I attempted yoga once all right. Um, well, you can't really talk. No, no, about no, 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 no. I can, I can. So I attempted yoga once. Um, apart from the fact of not being very flexible, I can live with that. I could still get Thank some God sort I of a downward, huh? downward dog thing going. <laughs> but can you answer me this then? Why did I spend the next eight hours vomiting after I did a yoga class? Was it hot? Was it hot yoga? No, it's just normal yoga, and I got I got motion no. sickness. So no, I've, been I've heard it from scared. hot yoga. I've been too scared to go back, ever. Mate, unless you're doing like a mega detox, I've never heard of that. <laughs> unless you ate a massive meal before you went into the yoga class. I'm thinking I just had a lot of shit that was deep down inside that all came out with that whole yoga session. He is the world's greatest hypochondriac too. So, you know, I, I got into yoga like when I was maybe 18, 20, and I started to do it for a little bit. And I really do now in my 30s want to get back into it. Because I really liked what it did for my headspace, not necessarily my body. Mm. The Bikram thing I tried too, Justin, that was hell. And it was really hot mm. and I got really dizzy and I didn't like where it took me. But it's obviously something that you have put into practice within your life. Something that you always did or did you have to get yourself into training your mindset to actually have self-discipline and, and push through it, even if it's hard and makes you nauseous like it did, Justin? <laughs> uh, so, no, I, they say yoga kind of finds you. And so I did my teacher training when I was 27 I was pretty lost. I'd been through a rough breakup and I was like, why am I doing what I'm wanting? Like I'd lost my moral compass and I was making choices that I thought people wanted me to make as opposed to, yeah, like tuning into myself. And so, yeah, 27, I went into yoga teacher training and there is a word in yoga called tapas and it means to find 
consistent discipline and the theory is with yoga you rock up each day on on the yoga mat you practice with no expectation to the outcome so you practice non-attachment with intense discipline and i kind of like that for work like i like that practice to take outside the yoga room it's very hard like go tell an olympian to be disciplined and practice every day but it's okay if you don't win the gold medal like it's yeah. it's very hard to get your head around but it's a yogi practice that, um, yeah, put all the work in, but don't be attached to the outcome. I like that. I like that too. I mean, it's something that, that just shows that tenacity that you have. It's probably such a great example of why you're so good with business. And what on this series we like to do is kind of talk about, and I hate this word, so please forgive me for using it, but the journey of what brought you to, to now. Because I think that the, all the failures that we have in our 20s, uh, really do help create the success. And as, and as you said, it's not necessarily about attaching to the outcome. The outcome will just organically happen, which it has for you. So to kick <laughs> it off, Justin, let's ask Lola the big question. All right, so yeah, we have our five questions that we like to ask our guests. So our first one here, and uh, we want you to think about this, Lola. Okay, we want the most in-depth and most, you know, thought out and actually, no, just tell us what comes just to your head. Just speak from the heart. <laughs> him, okay? What's, what, what is something you know now that you wish you knew in your 20s? This is going to sound real negative, but I think working in the entertainment industry, um, people will project their own crap onto you <laughs> and often it's got nothing to do with you. So, like, I think it's, again, like being strong enough to, to be able to read human behaviour well enough to know when it's honest feedback and when it's somebody that doesn't want to see you succeed. Cause I think that's a very real side of what goes on as well. Sounds negative, but it feels true. No, you know what? And I agree. I, there's, a, there's a phrase that I use a lot and I've used a lot over the years, um, especially when it comes to employment, which is generally in the entertainment industry, because that's where we all work. My theory is the only two people you ever listen to is either someone who's walked the line before you or somebody who is in a position to employ you. No other opinions oh, actually like. matter. No other opinions matter because there's always a hidden agenda with those opinions. It could be a family member just giving you encouragement for the sake of it, or it could be a, a mate just trying to shoot you down because they're jealous of what you do or whatever. So I totally 100% agree with that philosophy. Oh, I love what you just said. I'm going to steal that. That's a good little, I'm going to walk around and remember that as my own little internal, what's the word? Mantra. I All love right. it. I love it. I think it. we've just Thank got the you. first Talk 30 to Me t-shirt. So I think we've <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's totally, I'll buy them. Better with slogans than with yoga. But it's so true, you know, and that's one thing I found throughout my 20s. I used to absorb a lot of the bullshit that people gave me. And the older I get, uh, particularly now, only being early 30s, I don't care what people think. And it's a really liberating place to go. And at some point we have to just kind of, you know, wash it away, which I think we're getting better at the more that, you know, we have to deal with people's crap. But um, when I was young, I used to really get upset about people trying to alter what I wanted to be when I grew up. But I always wanted to be an actress. Or I always wanted to be an actress. And it was something that I knew that I would do hopefully for the rest of my life or do something like this. But when, when you were young, where did you think that you'd be in your 20s? Did you think that you would be here? What did you think you'd be doing or did you always know what you would want to do? So sim I was very similar to you. I, I dropped, uh, not, I didn't I actually did drop out of acting school, but I left school, auditioned for NIDA, WAPA, all the schools. And I was like, I'm going to be the next Kate Blanchett. You watch. <laughs> Got into um, drama school at Monash. And on like the second week, the head of the school was like 98% of you are going to be drama teachers. And I was like, it was like a little dagger went through my little 18 year old heart. And I was like, oh man, like you, you're crushing my dreams here, mate. Like, yeah. and I dropped out and became a DJ and makeup artist. And it's not now until I'm 35 now at 32, I started taking acting school again. 
So it's wow. taken that long. I love that. Because, I mean, firstly, yeah. that drama teacher, A, what's, why would he say that? Like, what's wrong with being a drama teacher anyway? That's a great profession. But why project that in a negative way just because obviously that was the way it worked out for them? Oh, my God, that's a prime example of someone that didn't, I suppose, have luck with what they wanted to do projecting their own crap. But I love that you want to reinvent yourself or you have reinvented yourself at the age of 32 and started acting lessons because it's never too late. And gone are the days where everyone wants to watch an 18-year-old on screen. I would much prefer to watch a woman in the nicest way to, to the youngins, to watch stories. And I, I mean, Justin and I spoke about this in the first episode. Grace and Frankie is one of my favourite shows and that's a series about two 80-year-old women. It's never too late. Mm to do drama classes. And I think I've even heard Kate Blanchett say something similar to that. I mean, she went to NIDA. She was told along with Tony Collette, which obviously makes sense. I mean, the drama teacher, I think it was Tony Knight, said to Kate Blanchett, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. You don't need to be doing this. You you don't need to go through drama school. That's what she was told. She's a bit of a unicorn, of course, but there's a lot of talented people out there. So I'm so happy that you're doing this. Keep it up. And maybe maybe we can make a movie together as well. As long <laughs> well, as reinvention, yeah. well, reinvention is <laughs> a big thing. I mean, it was another thing we talked about, you know, in the first episode, that whole reinvention thing. Yeah. I went to the Melbourne Radio School when I was 16. I didn't get into radio full-time until I was 28. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it, you can, you know. And I'm 47 and still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And, uh, you know, one day it'll all come to us and... And we, and we do it. But I, I guess that's really what this conversation is all about, is, is just reminding people that you don't have to have all the answers when you're 20 and certainly not when you're 18. Ah, oh, you don't even know who you are at 18, I don't think. No. You know, you got to go through heartbreak. you got to lose a job. you got to get fired. you got to, like, I totaled my car at 19. Like, you've got to <laughs> do all these too. things. <laughs> Right? Justin's done that like last week. He's the worst driver ever. That's not true. Oh, he's a terrible driver. (laughs) The worst driver ever. No, you're just the worst passenger, but uh, (laughs) that's that's another episode in itself. uh, All right. Now, we sort of touched on this a little bit at the start there, but um, what did you find out when you turned 30 that debunked a myth of your 20s? Oh, yeah, I like this one. Okay, so when I turned 30, I opened my first big, like, business. So sure, I'd written books and whatnot, but I'd never owned a company, had to understand P&L and, and hire and fire staff. I ran a smoothie bar in Melbourne. And I think when I was 30, I, I learned that you can create something tangible that has an impact on other human beings. And this is a very practical way. There's nothing super hippie or spiritual about this, but it was so cool to see the power of having an idea seeing that dream and idea come to life and then create something really tangible that that can have an impact on other people. In my 20s, that felt completely unattainable. But at, like, I think I was 30 when that happened. How do you, you know? go, how did you go firing people? Like, I would never be able to fire somebody. And it's something that in business, you have to be able to do. And I think that there's... Yeah, this, it's not that hard. See, see, a man says you're fired, right? <laughs> And no one says anything. A woman, just as diplomatically, just as politely, and just as f- for with as much validity, says you're fired. Trust me, I've been fired by and- women before, <laughs> both in professional and personal life. <laughs> What's that like for you from a business point of view? I mean, you obviously work for yourself, which is fantastic. You've got your own business. Did that take you a while to get comfortable with the art? Because women need to learn to get comfortable with boundaries, professional boundaries, of course, and saying no, this isn't working. Adios. 
Yeah, so the, you've hit the nail on the head with the, there with the boundaries. So the mistake I made at the very beginning was I made friends with everyone. Like I wanted to be the mother hen and kind of like take everyone under my wing. And my staff were like early 20s. So they were super green, super young. And my one of my business partners pulled me aside and he's like, you're making a big mistake right now. He was like, you need them to respect you. And you're losing that respect every time you go in and listen to their woes about their boyfriends or whatever I was doing. It was like had nothing to do with the smoothie bar. And then I had to do the tough, I got to a point where I had to do the tough love and no one saw it coming and it didn't work. Like I, it was horrible. My business partner said, I felt so bad. And he goes, I'm so proud of you because that's how a boss needs to be. You need to be able to be honest and you need to have respect. And he said, until today, you had no respect from the staff. The thing is, you don't go into trying to be their friend thinking that you're not going to have their respect. You think that that is a way to get their respect, don't you? I mean, it's just a common mistake that is made. Yeah. And I look, I would never do what I did ever again. And I don't think like it was the best lesson. I'm not good at hospo. Like it's not my jam. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> You probably couldn't pay me to do it again. It's stupidly (laughs) hard work. Insane, insane. Yeah, it it was brilliant lessons. That was a huge failure. And I, like that company bled money every single winter. We'd float it for three and a half years and we ended up selling it. But it was the coolest lesson. I learned so much from that mega failure. You know? It is. I know it's so true and I hate sounding so cliche, but you do learn so much from failures, don't you? I mean, they bring, I guess, the most successes really. Or at least give you tenacity to keep chasing success. Do you still make smoothies and stuff at home? Do you know what? Sometimes, but not as much as you think. The reason I'm going to say this is because I had a cafe for a very brief period of time. And I've never used a coffee machine other than an automatic one since I walked out of the coffee machine. Like, uh, So, uh, you know, making coffees, you know, hundreds a day as a barista, you walk out of there and you go, I just never want to see a coffee machine ever again. Totally. You're preaching to the choir. I will go out and buy a smoothie that someone makes for me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now make me my coffee, please. (laughs) Yeah. Big time. That Big is time. one of your one of your novels, though, about the smoothies, which I love because it's such a great way to start the day. And so many people, you know, we're all so busy and everything's, you know, crazy for people. But can I just talk specifically about the body, the female body? And from your own experience being a woman and a woman in her 30s. Shall I leave now? You could, <laughs> it could be a while. Yeah, go and make me a coffee. <laughs> um, all right. Intermittent, am I saying it right? Intermittent fasting. So, okay, in the profession, as you would know, in in acting or in front of the camera, there's this, and I hate this pressure on women. It's getting better, but you've always had to look good. And it's so fucking unfair because a man can look however he wants and it mostly doesn't matter on camera. A woman can be bigger, but she has to be funny. I mean, luckily we're hilarious. But in terms of maintaining weight, one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years, apart from when I stopped drinking alcohol, is obviously the carbs thing, you know? Like someone said to me, try Monday to Friday, no carbs. So I did it and I was like, oh, this obviously works. Like I'm losing a lot of weight. And then I had someone say to me, oh my gosh, you can't do that. You have to have carbohydrates, blah, blah, blah. I mean, without going too much into detail, and everyone has a specific case, and I know that you can't just generalize too much, but do we really need to have carbs in our diet every couple of days or like what's the best way if I was you know listening to you right now like if I want to just get an overall gist of something that can help me like and people need advice like I said before with the mate the weight management thing what I feel is financial advice like just tell me what to do and I'll do it so you've hit so many trends there like health trends which is all awesome first of all intermittent fasting for people listening at like 
going, what? Uh, Basically, you eat dinner. Yeah, you eat dinner and then you don't break a fast until midday. But good news, you can have black coffee. So I intermittent fast probably five days a week. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, black. Well, I'm, I've sent you guys some instants. You just I know, we've got that, that, and it's You're beautiful. Laughing. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's, <laughs> see, I don't have to go near a coffee machine for that. It's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. He loves you for that. At Lola, at Lola oh. Coffee, it's so good. Well, so I'm big on intermittent fasting, so I love having – and I've all, even when I had the smoothie bar, I would still be intermittent fasting, so I'll break at about midday. But I still will love a green smoothie, or which will have carbohydrate in it naturally, I think – they're, the reason why people are anti-carb is because when we start to break carbohydrate down, it converts to sugars and sugars are linked to weight gain. And so if you want to lose weight, the first thing you do is drop simple carbohydrate and sugar. That said, if you do it for prolonged periods of time and don't have carbohydrate or complex carbs in the diet, so you know berries and pumpkin and carrots, like you still want to keep some carbs in there, like the ones I just listed and take out the sugar carbs, right? So like dates, uh, and you don't need to do this verbatim, but like the things that are quite high glycemic index, sugar, dates, maple, those delicious things, that's much, that's a simple carbohydrate. So it's more like the simple carbs, you kind of want to stay, stay clear of, but definitely keep the complex ones in because they're great for fiber, phytochemicals, they ward off all the baddies and they're really good for you. So it's actually just about mixing it up but eating real food and cutting the junk. That's and all it is. Lola, don't get angry at me, right? But sometimes, like if I need to lose weight quickly, I try and do no carbs and no dinner and do the 16-hour fast like you said, but instead I will skip dinner and then eat lunch the next day. So it's and my husband shaking his head here because I'm not in the best mood. 16 hours out without food, no carbs, no dinner. But by the end of the week, I feel so good and I sleep really, really, really well. Is that That's a natural thing, I'm assuming, this direct correlation between not going to bed with this ridiculously full stomach and sleeping very well. Like I actually find it's really good for my mental health. I have so much clarity and I actually feel a lot happier. Have you heard much about that? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're, I mean, obviously with this insane nutritionist, it can't be new information, right? The funny thing is the first thing I was going to ask you was how do you sleep? Because usually it's good for the body to eat between two and four hours before bed because the body heals and regenerates at nighttime. So usually when people are dieting and they skip dinner, they actually struggle to sleep because you do need to have a little bit in there for all the functions that go on in the night. But your, it sounds like your body loves it. This is the cool thing about health. No body is the same. So what's going to work for you is totally not going to work for me. Like everybody mm. is going to be completely different. So if it works for you, go for it. Of course, you're going to be grumpier when your carbs are low because your serotonin is going to be low. That's just the way it rolls. That said, at the 14 to 21 day mark, it switches over to burning ketones for energy and brain energy. So if you stick with it long enough, the body will start using fat. So that's really, really cool. And that's the theory behind dropping carbohydrate right right down and kind of letting ketones sit high. But it does mean that you need to keep fat in the diet. Good fats, you know, salmon, almonds, uh, avocado, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of butter is fine. But you, you can't just go like, okay, well, I'm cutting all carbs. I'm just going to eat rabbit food. Like you will need to bring in the fat to make it work. And pasta is life, let's be honest. Life without pasta. It's I, I, okay, okay, <laughs> I, okay. So I could probably get in trouble here, but I don't understand and how. Tread carefully, dude. Yeah, you can go no carbs, no dinners, Monday to Friday, <laughs> but then eat sixteen servings of pasta on a Saturday. <laughs> you weren't meant to tell Lola that part. And, and, and like, it's you can't. 
I appreciate it's not the right way to do it. Hence, we're chatting to Lola. Because I think that the problem is you get something out of your system and then you want it back. Or I think as well the amount of discipline that it takes to be really good. Okay, I just think portion control is more <laughs> something you need to look at as opposed to Monday to Friday. No, oh, my no God, is, is he fat shaming me, Lola? I'm not fat shaming you. <laughs> I'm plate shaming you because... <laughs> Do you know, I actually stalked you guys on Insta and there's this amazing video. I think you're in LA eating pasta, uh, yeah. like this ginormous bowl of pasta. You saw that? Oh my God. Well, see, yeah. there you go. Because, because we I'm making pasta and she insisted on putting like two packets yes. of pasta in the pot. Yes, because he doesn't cook enough pasta. No, 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 no. I cook enough pasta. It's better to, to, to not want more food than to run out of food. And we were in LA, so I was starving for all the producers, let's be honest. But I love that you saw that video. That was the last time we were in LA. And the pasta was oh, really good. It looked like such a good pasta. It looks super creamy as well. But the theory is when you do like on the weekend, kind of like overcompensate for yeah. dieting, that's when it's not really working. And it probably means that your calories were too low during the week. And that's what I'm saying. Like add a little bit of good fat to the diet and you'll find then you're not going to have too many of those cravings. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. I'll get that for next time. Monday to Friday, a little bit of carbs. And you're okay with And a little bit doing, of fat. And how do you, how, what's your stance? If, I mean, like you said, everyone's different, but if people want to intimately, oh, I can't say the intimately. word. Intimately. 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 There you go. There you go. Not <laughs> intimately. Intermittently fast. As, you know, skipping dinner or skipping lunch. The 16-hour rule is, is actually a pretty good rule, isn't it? Yeah, but you're technically you're meant to skip the brekkie. That's what you're meant to skip because ah. it's like it works well with like because you exercise on that empty stomach as well. You've got mental clarity for the first half of the day because you've got the most mental clarity when you're fa- like in the hours that you're fasting. So the theory is eat dinner and like let it click over until midday the next day. But I mean, I've been, I've got a client that was like, yeah, I've been intermittent fasting. And I was like, so what time do you have dinner? And she was like, oh, I worked really late, so not till 11 p.m. at night. And I was like, and when do you break your intermittent fast? And she's like, oh, like 10 or 11 the next day. I'm like, you're not intermittent fasting. Like, yeah. you've really- you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you- everybody is different. If it works for you, like, I remember Britney Spears back in the day, she was famous for not doing dinners or it wouldn't eat after 2 p.m. or something like that. Sure, it's, I don't think it's probably the most sustainable way. I'm much more pro the, the way that I had all the studies done on it. But if it works for you, I'm not going to stand in your way. You've got to make it work for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And also we want to know an important question. What was the best or worst piece of advice you were given in your 20s? Because you obviously didn't listen and you carried through with doing what you're doing. <laughs> Um, best or worst, particularly, you know, for, for 
One or the other or both. Or one or the other or both. Maybe you didn't oh. get any. Heaps of people with the green card. So I've been going for the green card. It's been five years, so I would have been – I'm 35. So I would have probably, like, been 30 by the time this happened. But a lot of people told me, don't do it. You won't make it. No one knows who you are. So, like, I feel like I'm here now and I've got all this, like, in the background and I'm here at ground zero and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I've, all these people told me I couldn't make it and I'm here trying to make it and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I kind of feel like that was the most recent one, but technically that would have been like bang on 30. I reckon I would have got that advice, but, and that's professional people that I looked up to. That's what really blew me away. And I kind of just looked at them, smiled and just did it anyway. Good. Good. I love that. Look at them, smile, just do it anyway. Only you know what you are capable of. And you got your green card in the most crazy of times. I'm, if I'm correct, you can only get green card approval once. If you reject it, you don't re-get it. To get the green card in the US is a huge big deal. And you got it when COVID was happening. You moved from Byron Bay to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Was there a tiny element of you that was like, no, nope, fuck it. I can't, I can't move now. Everyone was leaving America and coming back to Australia, but you still went. I mean, and you've gone by yourself. That's incredible. Yeah, and we've still got it. My boyfriend's in Byron, in our beautiful home in Byron Bay. Um, mm. So basically, because it took me so long, you're right. Once you get it, mine actually did get rejected once. And I, and he said, my lawyer said to me, if they reject this second one, you'll never get one again in your lifetime. So it was the same case. They just open it one one more time. And so that's why it took me five years to get it. And it ended up costing, if you include this trip, like to activate it and everything, it'll be like 80 grand. Like it's been really, really expensive just because it's a pandemic and it's so expensive to move yeah. around the world. Don't borrow 80 but, grand, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if someone told me that that's what it was going to, I thought it'd be like 10, man. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, I guess I'm in this group. You, you, you guys are probably in it called Aussies in LA and so yes. many Aussies were like, don't come over. And, and I was friends with a lot of people that were in the same boat as me because when you get a green card, you've got a six-month visa window mm. to activate to get to, onto American soil. And there were a lot of people, there's probably like 20 of us all like DMing each other going, what are you doing, what are you doing? Only one other person came over. So me and one other, everyone else gave up their green cards. I couldn't give it up. I could not give up the green card no matter what the circumstance was. No, like, I couldn't. Maybe that's just because, yeah. you know, like you, Lola, it's, you know, to find that golden ticket is just something that we've all wanted to do for such a long time. And it's not that easy just to get a green card. It's also better to regret the things you've done than the things you haven't. Because mm. imagine if you didn't do it and what yeah. you'd be kicking yourself years down the track. So, yeah. Totally. And, and life in Byron is amazing and beautiful and safe and you know, you, my boyfriend was surfing yesterday and dolphins were next to him. Like it's amazing and a beautiful quality of life, but it is easy. Like Australia is so easy and it's amazing and it, it, all these great things. But I was like, I, I'll never know. Like I've got to know. And, and I think that's why I'm so excited to be here because I'm really honouring my heart. Like I'm really honouring my calling, you know, whatever the F that looks like. <laughs> well, the other thing is too, you see a lot of like Australians that are, you know, people that are escaping LA and coming back to Australia and doing all that. They still have the ability to go back to LA. They still have the ability to go back to the States. You know, it's a bit different when you're, this is your one and only opportunity to actually lock yourself yeah. in. So you can be that person down the track. It just so happens your number came up during COVID. I mean, you're still lucky that it happened, I guess, in one sense. That's the way you got to look at it. If you go glass half full, I suppose. Definitely. And like, I want to naturalise at the five-year mark and become an American citizen as well. That's my plan. So yeah, I just wasn't willing to give it up. When I no was way. when I was like uh, 19, I think it was, I moved to America 
But um, when I say moved, I only really went there for three months because that's the longest amount I was allowed to stay. I didn't have a green card or a visa or anything like that. I promised I left before my time was up, so it was all legal. But it was one of my regrets. I wished that I'd pursued the legalities or just found some way I could stay in the country because I was so committed to making it in America and I just I'd always kicked myself for not staying there but I made it my mission to get back and I have done now a couple of times and Hubs and I wanted to to move there as well in time when we can but that was one of my regrets in my 20s and anyway we move forward and of course we reinvent ourselves like we spoke about on the episode in our 30s and you know, as, as you know, our listeners know, you're this incredible author and presenter and nutritionist and you, you've written so many books. Where do you think you'll be in 10 years' time? Because you're, are you going to write more novels? I mean, I know you're now in America as well to build your empire. You've got, you know, your entrepreneurship going, but you also mentioned acting. And that really excites me because, like I said before, it is so empowering to see women in their 30s to start this new career, particularly for, for actresses. You know, you don't have to be 18, 19 or 20 to be in front of a screen. Long gone are those days. This is something that you really want to commit to, I imagine, and really put your, like, to, to give it all, yeah? Yeah, I got two dreams. Uh, I, most people laugh. In fact, I had a meeting a month before I moved here and I said to the, and I was paired up to work with this person. I said, oh, you should know one of my dreams. I was like, I want to be like Jimmy Fallon. And she was sipping her wine and spat it out and started laughing at me. And I, was, and I was like, oh. So how was Mrs. Oh, Spelling? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. And I was like, no, seriously, like I want to be a variety talk show. Like that's yeah. the jam. And, um, and I was like, I'm going to start improv classes. Like I'm t- taking it very seriously. And she was just like looking at me going, and I just knew, you just know when you're talking to someone, you're like, oh, this is landing not well. Like this was a lead balloon. And I was like, I got to get out of this meeting. Like this is, we're not going to work together. Cause like, I just know when, when you're working with someone that just does not believe in you, mm. nip that shit in the bud. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I learned like in my twenties. And then definitely the reason why I got into acting school is I, shot a pilot for Channel 7, um, co-hosting a wellness show. And at time stopped, I loved it. I just, ugh, it just really filled me up. And so I called up an acting school and I was like, can I get into your TV presenting course? And they're like, well, it's full. You should do acting. And I was like, Haha, I'd rather swim with sharks. And they're like, well, that's a great start. And then I got the bug and like, right before I moved here, I like, I've been doing theatre training for th- the last three years in Australia. And I remember I was doing like a Tennessee Williams play and it was like, I felt like this energy running through my veins and it was just, I, it was like that creative fire that n- has never been filled by anything else. And that's where the love of acting's come from. I'm, it's, I'm scared shitless by it, but I love that I'm scared shitless by it. Definitely. Yeah. And you are one of the only authors nutritionists and actors that I've ever met if if I think you actually are the only one because I mean how great is that that you have this amalgamation of talents and you don't care about going oh my god fuck I can't do all these things the older we get I think we realize we can actually do more and more and more so 10 years time you're going to be hosting the tonight show yeah. Making films. Can I be a guest? And can I can I do a film with you? And, and probably I'm, adopting Christy and I, yeah. but you know. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have the perfect Hollywood body as well because Lola's going to help me. It's all going to come together. Done, 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 done. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. This is really cool. 
Like the fact that you've got to move to America, everything that's going on for you, I have no doubts that it's going to happen. And particularly mm. getting on stage doing theatre, it's the best form of, of acting for any, any actor. So I guess your drama teacher will be eating his words soon, huh? Yeah, man, I hope so. I bloody hope so. Otherwise, uh, joke's on me. Either that or writing you a reference to get a job as a drama teacher. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. All right, before we wrap up with the one and only Lola Berry, Lola, people, we've already, we've mentioned a lot of the things you do, your coffee for one. People want to, you know, get hold of you, get hold of your stuff, read your books. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, the same way I got in touch with you guys, DMs on Instagram. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just slide into her DMs. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that a few yeah, times. Yeah, I don't want to know. Actually, you could probably share some of the pictures you get now, but uh, <laughs> when you open up an invitation yeah. like that, I'm sure uh, being female, you might get some uh, interesting slides. Particularly. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Lola? She's a total yeah. banger, babe. Well, Lola Berry, thank you so much for joining us on uh, episode two of Talk 30 to Me. I'm Christy Hayes with Justin Coombs Pierce with the lovely Lola Berry. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> This podcast is produced by Just In Case Entertainment.